Welcome to a new episode of Dev Bootcamp Live. This is Juan Isarazo. And this is Jared Potter. And this is a podcast where we help you level up so you become the best software engineer on your team, or we help you level up so you land your first engineering job. And Jared, today we're going to discuss uh, something that, is, uh, that has come up because uh, with, my, with my class, with my students, uh, some of the students I have online, we are starting our final project. And one of the things that I notice always there is a pain with, uh, when, we're work, when they're working as a team is that uh, their project management skills. So uh, I realized that maybe we should create it, put these podcast today um, talking about uh, agile methodologies, but really just specific about a Scrum oriented to our dev bootcamp graduates, coding program graduates. Uh, so that's, that's today's topic, Jared. Um, so um, with Agile, right, we have Agile and Agile is just a philosophy, right, to, for project management. But when it comes to software development, one that is very popular is a Scrum. So a Scrum is one of those Agile methodologies that a lot of companies use. All the companies I have worked for, we use uh, Scrum. So that's something that is very relevant for our listeners to learn. Uh, so then when they start entering the industry or interviewing, they're very familiar with Scrum and they know what everybody's talking about and they're not so lost. Okay. So uh, yeah. So let's just start with Scrum, Jared. So do you, do you think you can define or do you, do you know like what's, what's Scrum? Like, do, like are you yeah, familiar? yeah, definitely. So just to kind of give people a little bit of context here. So as Juan said, you know, agile development is kind of a bigger umbrella of methodology, right? And then within under that umbrella is, is Scrum. So to be more specific, Scrum is a, a process of team software development. So as you imagine with a team, you're going to have a whole bunch of different people playing different roles. You'll have engineers, you'll have product managers, Scrum masters, stakeholders, uh, you know, and potentially QA and UI UX all, all on a team together, pushing forward some sort of project. The other really important aspect of um, Agile is this idea of iterative, iterative development. Juan, could you perhaps expand a little bit more on iterative development? Yeah. So one of the powerful things about a Scrum, right, is uh, it, it focuses on uh, iterative development. And that, that just means that uh, you perform uh, smaller cycles uh, of development cycles. It could be a week, two weeks. I mean, something small. Uh, you build out some features, some characteristics for the software that are going to deliver value to the customer. And then you get early feedback. So the idea of it is that you want to fail fast. For example, a customer asks you to build a button you build a button and instead of building the button and the whole system and the login page and everything else, no, you build a button and you deliver that, you get feedback. So you say, customer, look, this is my button. Is this good? And the customer is going to tell you, no, I want changes because they are always going to want changes. But that's iterative development. Fail fast, fail early. And then uh, at the end of, the, of all the project, you're going to have a project that is going to deliver the most value because you have had that constant cycles of feedback. So you code, right? you plan, you code, deliver, feedback, repeat, okay? And when you repeat, it could be the same feature or a new feature, but you have that constant uh, cycle of feedback. So Juan, for those uh, students that are listening, what, what do we compare Agile and Scrum development to that perhaps doesn't have this same kind of feedback mechanism? 
Uh, there's other uh, method methodologies. I mean, I wouldn't call them agile methodologies, but there's other methodologies for software development. Uh, for example, in the 90s, I think uh, there was uh, one, or at the 2000s, there was one called XP. Um, there's one called Waterfall. A lot of big, big companies that are like that have a more classic approach, they use Waterfall. So Waterfall just means that you define uh, these documents and you define these requirements. Uh, first, pretty much you define everything about the project before you start writing the first line of code. But this is not uh, ideal because you can spend, let's say, six months defining everything about the project, discussing, meeting with everything, uh, with everybody's uh, stockholders, everything. And then you write all these documents and then you start development. But as soon as you start developing, you realize, oh, we didn't think about this. We didn't think about that. What about this, right? So it's a very slow cycle. So that's why Waterfall is not uh, ideal uh, because the, the, the cycles are very long. That usually with Waterfall, you don't release anything until the very end. And today with startups, right, we got to deliver things fast. We yeah. gotta deliver often, uh, so we cannot afford doing waterfall. And there's other methodologies you can read about them. There's XP, uh, and there's uh, other agile methodologies that are specifically different to Scrum. For example, there's Kanban, right? But today we're gonna be talking. Maybe we will talk something about Kanban. I mean, they have common uh, ground. Yeah, definitely. Just one one bit I want to add to the 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 waterfall methodology that you said there was just just to make sure it's really clear for everybody is that by the end of uh, you know, a, a waterfall development cycle, one of the problems can be that the product at the very end of it, because it took so long to define things and so long to develop things and whatnot, by the end of it, the product that's produced might not be the product that is actually needed or providing the most value for the customer, right? And that's mm -hmm. why with, with Scrum, what we're focusing on today is, is, you know, targets this idea of getting constant feedback from the customer to make sure that what is being provided is the highest value. Yeah, perfect. So talking about Scrum for the for the for software developers, right? For the new software engineer, um, one of the of the fundamental pieces that comes to Scrum that I want to start talking about because the, yeah, we can branch out from it is uh, user stories. So user stories, they're our fundamental unit when it comes to project management. That's how we divide things. That's how we divide work. And we start branching out to uh, create, like uh, to, to establish our project, to create our estimates. So they're very fundamental and you, everybody has to understand them. So a user story um, is just a unit of, of, of work, right? Um, it delivers value and it has a specific format. Uh, so Jared, can you tell us about the format for a user story? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably going to potentially find multiple flavors out there. Mm -hmm. But the idea of a user story or the format of it is describing what a user is able to do, right? So a user is able to go to a login page. A user is able to fill in their login credentials and click the login button. And then there's going to be kind of two results, right? Either they're going to log in and it's going to be successful or they're going to fail to log in because it's an incorrect password or something like that. But the user story format from what I recall, and you can correct me, uh, is basically describing the, from the perspective of the user what they're doing and what happens. And exactly, that's a user story. So user story is anything the user can do, but the user is not just a person. The user could be a third party system. So if you remember in one of our previous episodes, we talk about actors, right? So a user can be any type of actor, a person, a system, uh, different roles, an admin, you define that. And the user stories have a template. So templates are good. This is the nice thing about Scrum. Scrum is a framework and it provides these, uh, these uh, steps and templates that makes uh, our life easy because 
because we don't have to think so much about things. So the template they provide uh, for for to meet the to, to write a good user story is that you you write uh, um, the the actor right the actor that that is uh, for example as a user as a person right uh, that the actor of the system uh, then uh, you define uh, what you want what the actor wants and then the value. So for example, uh, and I'm gonna talk about this, but like one of the things is like, uh, for example, as a user, I can log in in the page so that I can manage my account or I can do my online banking, right? So the thing is like those three pieces, uh, the, the, the actor, the, what the actor wants, what I want, right? Well, and, and, and the value that it provides. The value is very fundamental because when you have, so as a software engineer, when you have the value in a user story, instead of having a task like create a login page, if you don't understand why you are creating the login page or what's the value, you cannot fill in the gaps, right? Because if you cannot fill in the gaps, you have to ask a lot of questions about things. You cannot make assumptions. So things are gonna slow down and it's gonna take you longer to build things. So that's why the value is so important. And that's a user story. Um, the user story, right? has a body, has a description. So let's talk about that, Jared. Like what, what, what do you use usually in your user stories? Like let's say we created in whatever system we're using, we wrote the user story. As a user, I want to log in so that I can manage my online account, right? So then what, what it will be next? How, how, would we, how do we know if we have a good description there or not for, for, for that user story? Well, it, it needs to be able to cover all of all of the necessary important details of of what might need to be on the on you know on the login page. Uh, there's a term called acceptance criteria. I'm not sure that's where we're kind of like going here or not, but yeah, that's a specific term of does it meet the requirements for moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. One one bit I just want to add to what you said a second ago, Juan, is that a lot of the times you know product teams and, and UI UX designers can do their best to kind of define as much as they can through the user stories and generally user stories are created as a team, but there's oftentimes little gaps that, that are left and you as the engineer, because you're building it, you need to be able to fill in those gaps or have a certain intuition to, to close certain areas. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think the main point is making sure that you have really clear um, uh, acceptance criteria in place there. Exactly. So, so in this story, we have usually like that description that says like, okay, the user can go to the login page and then uh, it can enter the user and password and then they will go to the homepage as an authenticated user. So they become an authenticated user. So that's the description, but that description doesn't tell us a lot of things, right? It doesn't tell us like to log into a login with a third-party login application? Do I log in with Google? Do I create my own password? Do I, like, you know, there's a hundred things I could ask, right? So uh, what Jared mentioned is so fundamental for user stories. User stories, good user stories, they must have an acceptance criteria. And remember, today's podcast is about uh, Scrum for the software engineer, right? So we're not going to cover a lot of the pieces that are more in the project management, product owner, like all that stuff. We're talking about like your perspective, what you care about a lot, right? And 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 you got to have an acceptance criteria. When you get a user story, the first thing you're going to check after the description is there is an acceptance criteria section. If there's not, you're going to ask for it. You're going to ask what's the acceptance criteria because that's what's going to tell you uh, when the story is done, right? That's the concept of done. When it says user story done, because it could be done when the code is 
ready and is merged or when is it deployed or when is it tested or when it's accepted by the product owner or when it's accepted by the product team or like, you know, there's so many ways. So the acceptance criteria helps with determining uh, one uh, when, a, when a user story is done. And the criteria usually is just a list of uh, concrete, so concrete tasks that the, the, the system, right, must perform. So for example, uh, there is a user and password field in the UI. Uh, there's only one login button. When clicking the login button, I'm redirected to a third-party authentication because we have a single sign-on page. Uh, then uh, after entering the correct credentials, I'm, I'm redirected back and automatically goes to the homepage. Uh, if it is the first time I'm logging in, it's gonna show the welcome page. See user story number 355, for example. Just an example because then that welcome page is a new user story. So we can link things, but the acceptance criteria defines what this is done. So once you, you, you build a user story, you do the code and you look at, the, at that criteria. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do that? It's done. And then if so usually, the, the, the product team or other engineers come back and say like, oh, you didn't do the welcome page. You can say like, well, look, it's not in the acceptance criteria. It's actually done. Or we need to create a new user story because now it's too late. It's kind of like a contract. So that's the importance of it. Um, another piece that is very important for a good user story is testing notes because usually if you have a QA team or you own your own QA and somebody else on your team is going to do it, another engineer, um, you have to get, have good testing notes. Use notes that you think they're relevant for anybody testing that from the user perspective. So usually testing notes, uh, they, like what Jared mentioned, that is so fundamental, what you Jared mentioned, that is like from the user's perspective. So usually a, a good testing note is like, I can go to the code and I see a class defined. No, like a user node is like more like a testing node is more like as a user, what do you see? You don't know anything about the code. And that takes me, and you can elaborate more on this, Jared, but like that takes me to this part about user stories. User stories never, ever, ever have details or implementation details. They don't tell you like, you should create a class and then you should create another class and then a service and all this stuff. A user story does not have that. That can be in, in the comments part of the discussion, but a user story does does not go to implementation details. Why is it important, Jared, that user stories don't have implementation details? Don't tell the developer what or how to code. Uh, because, I mean, that's really up to the engineer, up to the developer to, to decide, right? Or the, the, the team of developers to decide the architecture or how things are actually going to be laid out and to be coded. Everything else is, is meant to be kind of this, um, you know, unifying uh, message that says what it does, right? So both the product owner and, you know, can, can understand it and, and, you know, everyone can be on the same page in that way, but the engineers can also read it and understand it. But yeah, generally you don't, you don't want that, the actual task, the user story to have those implementation details, unless they're kind of, like I said, Juan said, like there is a comment down below. It's good to count. I, you know, I like to do that because it keeps everything organized in one place. Um, but I'll add it on, like I said, as a comment down below. So I can keep track of it. I can reference it still there, um, but it's not messing up and, you know, distracting exactly. in the description. Exactly. And, 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 and that's great because uh, one of the things like when we finish a user story, right, as a software engineer, I finish the user story, usually you're going to present it to someone that is not technical, right? So you don't want to have these technical details there either. The other thing is like, because we're in this agile environment, right? We, we fail fast, we iterate fast. Sometimes if you think of an, an early tech approach, oh, you're going to use this, right? And you put it there and it's set in stone. And then you find that that's maybe not the best way to solve the problem. Then you're stuck with, with a technical decision you did early and now you're invested uh, in the wrong path and that's going to create uh, tech debt. So tech debt, Jared, what is tech debt? That's a very common word that we hear in the industry. 
Yeah, tech debt. That's a that's a really common term we hear. So I'll try to explain this as succinctly as I can. So tech debt is when during the software engineering process, there's some sort of shortcut potentially made or some sort of trade-off of, hey, we're going to go with this technology or this library or you know, we're going to build this system this certain way. We know that it's not the best, but we're still going with it uh, because it's kind of the best choice at the, at the, at the time. Um, however, when you take that on, when you make that decision, it's a form of debt, meaning you have to kind of pay interest on it. And the form of interest is usually in the form of maintenance of the software, bug fixes, potentially updating the software, right? Whatever that, whatever that means, you're, you're paying interest on it. That's um, perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I, could, I could not explain it better. That's awesome, Jared. So yeah, take that. Now a new term that you know, and you're going to hear that a lot in the industry. I, whatever, yeah, one, whoever is listening out there, that's, that's, that's very, um, a very important term. Yeah. One, one bit I would add is I would encourage teams to, if you can, keep track of your tech debt, right? Create a list somewhere to keep track of your tech debt and prioritize being able to add an item of tech debt to your you know, your sprints to be able to kind of keep it down, to work it down. Perfect. So we have spent some time talking about these stories and this was on purpose because this is like your best friend as a software engineer, like as I mentioned, today is about Scrum for Software Engineers. Um, but uh, to, related to user stories, there's uh, other aspects, right? Because the user story on its own is not very useful. But before we jump into the next uh, item, uh, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to share our uh, Twitter, our Twitter account so uh, you can reach out uh, in case you want to get in touch, tweet at us, uh, follow us, right? Uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on or watching this on, click the follow button, like uh, get, in get in touch. We're publishing, publishing content every week. Yeah, everyone can find me at twitter.com forward slash Jared Potter. That's J-A-R-E-D-P-O-T-T-E-R. And feel free to reach out and say hello. Yeah, we have the big follow button. Just follow Jared and then get in touch. We publish cool content there every week also. Uh, and you can follow me uh, on Twitter at twitter.com um, uh, slash uh, Juan G. That's spelled out J-U-A-N-L-I-Z-A-R-A-Z-O-G. And anyways, whatever platform you're on, uh, we are putting our links there so you can follow us. I have had some people already reach out in private uh, um, about like helping them like level up with things. So 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 it's been pretty cool uh, to get that feedback and that reception. We, so yeah, follow us there. We have the follow button and yeah. So let's jump into the next item. Um, so user stories are not useful on their own because one of the things is like usually executives, right? Or usually like higher apps, they want to know, and the customers, everybody wants to know when things are going to be done. I mean, I don't care, like you have the perfect user stories, right? So one of the things like user stories are the unit and usually we put them together, right? And this is kind of like, you'd mentioned the word spring. So spring is this uh, body of work that we're going to complete in a certain amount of time. So the team defines that. So for example, usually uh, many teams decide to do two weeks. So it's kind of like, okay, two weeks, we're going to do 15 user stories, right? Or 10 user stories. But this, the, 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 the number of user stories that you can do in a speed a sprint depends on the weight of the user story. So this comes to the next topic, which is estimation. If you cannot estimate something is useless when it comes to project management, right? You gotta be able to estimate things. So there's two ways to estimate user stories. One is uh, a story points, right? That's very common. Well, there's different ways, but uh, three common ways. User stories uh, are estimated with uh, story points, right? Or with hours, 
or with uh, t-shirt sizes. Those are the three comments I've seen a lot personally, and I will talk more about this after after Jared said, tells us about these this three, right? Uh, but personally, I like ours better. So Jared, uh, let's talk about story points. So new concept for you listening out there, Google everything you can about that. But what is the story point, Jared? So, so story points is a way of, of basically sizing a task like Juan is saying, right? So is it a really large task, right? If it's a larger task, you give it a larger number of story points. If it's a small task that maybe you could complete in a smaller amount of time, you know, you'll give it less points. Now I'm, I'm, in, I'm intentionally vague there because every organization is going to kind of define what a story point is, you know, ultimately is, um, which I think then leads into the second uh, unit, which is hours at the end of the day. I mean, it really is only hours that are being estimated. And, and just a quick acknowledgement, you know, a lot of software engineers struggle with being able to estimate and, and the way that you counter that is by estimating more and then realizing, Hey, how long did something actually take me? Right. And becoming more familiar with your ability to work and, and, and going forward. Right. Um, you know, people get stuck all the time on, on specific tasks and that happens and that's just part of the software process. Uh, but again, it's just how it goes. The, the third item is t-shirt sizes. T-shirt sizes is a kind of happy medium where it, it gives you like, is it a small t-shirt size? Is it a large t-shirt size? Is it a medium? Is it an extra large, extra small, right? What have you? It just makes it more human understandable, if you will, like how when we're estimating tasks. And it, a lot of people can, you know, relate to those a little easier. Mm -hmm. Perfect. No, great explanation. And, and yeah, so the, 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 the user story points, the story points usually they're relative to a small unit of work. Let's say the team said, hey, we created a button and that's going to be relative to the creation of a button. Is it like it's going to take double than creating a button? Then it's going to be this many story points. So it's really, it's really hard to explain relative to every team. Every company defines it differently. Uh, there's also the scale, how we, uh, what story points we use. Some companies like to use Fibonacci. So it's like one, two, uh, three, five, seven, nine or 10, 13, right? Something like that. I mean, I don't know if I said it right. I don't have it memorized, but, uh, but usually that's written somewhere. We have the, the cards, right? And the, but, but the thing is like, the, the, that's intentional because if a story, like let's say you're going to spend five, right? Let's just say it's a five. Let's say we're going to spend five days. Let's talk about days. Okay, five days. But then you say, no, it's going to take six days. You don't go to six days. You go to the next number up. So you're going to jump already to uh, eight or nine. I don't remember what it is, but you're not going. So that's the thing is buckets of work because the, the, the thing is like, this is the mindset on that. If you have more work, right? So it's like bigger, that means there's more announced. And that's what Jared was mentioning. So because there's more announced, that means like usually you don't go from a five to a six, you go from a five to an eight, right? Because there's more announced so many that you will just say like, okay, take it on the safer side. Uh, usually with estimates, it's really hard to get it right the first few times, right? The first months, uh, especially with new teams, new projects. Uh, but the, 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 the thing with it is like, usually we want to, um, you know, uh, under promise and over deliver. So we want to overestimate because usually there's going to be distractions. We can say like, hey, Jared, this story is going to take, let's say one point is going to take less than a day or one day, right? And we say, it's one point or a few hours. But then what happens is like, okay, Jared, you're going to start work on it. Jared just changes his status to in progress. And it's not like Jared is going to work nonstop on it because he's like, oh, Jared, we have spring planning. Oh, Jared, we have these other things. Jared, we have these meetings. Oh, there's like all these distractions and other things going on. That doesn't mean like when you're programming, uh, you don't, we don't really account for the engineer working the full day just coding nonstop, right? Because we account for meetings and other things, right? So 
that's why like estimates are hard and that's why it's, uh, there's going to be box and things so we add extra time distractions oh Jared, this broke on production this is higher priority we want we accounted for it on the sprint but you got to change that right so it's going to delay the development but at the end of the day um that cycle, the sprint, is the, the, the that Jared mentioned. Jared, talk about the sprint. So Jared, you're going to help us define that, right? But that body of work, the sprint, right? Uh, I sort of talked about it. Once it's done, like the whole stories that we put in there, all the buckets, let's say we say we, we can do, um, we have a capacity, right? Our engineers can complete 10 stories per sprint, per two weeks, right? 10 stories. So, or, or, or actually no stories, the story points or hours. We have, we can do 400 hours or something like that. We combine with the engineers or we can do 15 story points combined, depending how we define these, right? Or, or, um, then we decide that way what can fit into the sprint. And once it's defined, it's kind of like locked. And then it's a commitment. Like we're sprinting together to reach the goal. And the idea is because it's good to have deadlines. So it's like deadlines the team sets to themselves. So then they can commit to work. So it's like, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to have this done. And we don't have it done. It's kind of like what's going on, right? But it's good to have this deadline so we don't stay doing something forever. And we don't know when things are going to get done. So Jared, how would you define a sprint like in a better way since you brought it up, the, the, the term? Yeah, well, I think, I think you've been bringing up, bringing up the term here. So the sprint is going to be some unit of time. Every organization is going to kind of pick their own unit of time. And yeah, it's kind of a commitment. It's saying we as the development team are going to strive to complete this work in this period of time. And, and like Juan said, you said it's locked, meaning that the, and, and what we're talking about is a term called scope, right? The scope of work is locked, meaning that if the product manager wants to come in and say, hey, I want to add these three more items, you know, the team has to shake their head and say, no, you have to wait until the next sprint to do that, right? So it's like this agreement where the engineers aren't being sprung on new tasks, right? The, the engineers can focus on their work, but of course the engineers also have a commitment to try to finish their work. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens then, uh, Juan, if, if, you know, come the end of the sprint, what, what happens, right? What, what do we do next? If, what if we don't finish our work? Yeah. So if you don't finish your work, usually that's like a failed sprint, right? So we have to, uh, usually when it's related, like remember, like Scrum is this big thing, but we're talking about like what, what the subset that you as a software engineer care about, right? So one of the things as a software engineer that uh, that concerns you uh, when, when you finish the sprint is that you you will have usually like a, a sprint review meeting where you uh, have the what's called the sprint retrospective. So this is kind of like another ceremony. It can be a 30-minute meeting, right? Or a one-hour meeting, depending on, 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 on the team right and and it's usually i the idea is to see like what the team did wrong what did we do wrong and what can we do better and what we did right and the idea of this is so then we can uh know that what we did right is kind of like okay let's continue doing that because it's working for the team and it's different for every team all teams are different it depends on the technology depends on the industry on the way the team interacts everything but it's like okay this is working for us it's unique for us works for us let's keep doing it this didn't work for us let's try something different because the, like, we want to be better on the next iteration right we're failing fast we identify early the problems let's try to mitigate them let's have a plan for the next spring and then the next thing that comes is the spring planning we the team gets together and again like picks new user stories that were previously previously groomed and uh, and that's like more of a concern with uh of, of the product owner uh, or the project manager or the scrum master i mean like all the roles that uh, i'm not really gonna get into today because as a software engineer you are not so concerned about that you're more concerned about like hey i'm getting work I, many engineers like me personally i don't really care about the 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 sprint planning process like what work is going to be put into the sprint or not right because somebody else is going to do it for me right i care more about like 
do I have enough to work on this, this, right? And is it clear enough? The stories I get, are they properly groomed? So let's talk about grooming, um, which is like just grooming is the process of grabbing a user story, making sure it's in a good story user format, right? It has a value. If it doesn't have a value, you ask for it so you fully understand what's the, the goal. Uh, remember, user stories are about goals, not features, right? It's not like you're going to build a button. No, the goal. What is the goal? Letting the user log in, right? Or like just an example there. And then, the, the, uh, uh, and then you identify that you have a good acceptance criteria. If there's technical questions, you ask them. So ideally, you before the, the sprint planning, you meet you look at the stories and you start asking questions so by the time you meet it's like ready to estimate so then goes the estimation process the team defines the size and then a new sprint is started right so that's kind of like the the the, the, the cycle there um but but yeah jared what what, what do you miss here yeah i just i just wanted to add on a little bit to the the sprint review and the retrospective so you know one thing i think a lot of you know engineers might get discouraged by is when quote unquote, we fail a sprint, right? But it's important to, you know, going through this process, even just through life, is being able to distinguish, you know, your personal self from the work that's accomplished as the team, right? Like, you know, it, it's a process of not taking it too personally and always being able to realize that we're all growing, we're all making progress, we're all getting better. So even if a sprint has failed, right, it's one of two things, either one, it was too much work that was put on to the team, right? Which then you just, you, you realize that, you learn that. And then when you go into the next sprint planning, you, you know, accordingly adjust the amount of work that's being allocated, right? That, that, that's one aspect of it. Or two, the team just didn't simply work hard enough to perhaps accomplish the work, right? Um, and during that retrospective process is an opportunity for the team. It's not just a, you know, how to get to work better as a team, but it's also an opportunity to be open and vulnerable with your team to, you know, be able to un better understand why things didn't get accomplished or what things didn't go right and how can we then change to improve them. And also, I mean, one, you'd mentioned it as well. It's like being able to celebrate the good things, right? Sprint review is meant to be a celebration of great. Look at all this awesome work that we did. Great job, you know, um, and being yeah. able to congratulate each other to keep going forward. But yeah, yeah I just wanted to add a couple bits there. Yeah, there's some teams, some teams like to do spring demos. So at the end of the spring, after the review and everything, they do the spring demo or before the review and they show what they accomplished. Remember, because it's a user story, the user story delivers value. That means that it's something the user or a system can interact with. So it's something that is visible before we have looking at the code. So that means at the end, when it's done, right, you can actually demo it and users can see it. And that's why a user story is so important because it's highly visible. So then usually you have other people, you invite people from other groups, you can do the demo and it feels really nice. Like, hey, I worked two weeks on this and now I can show it to everybody. Look, I feel like even if we feel the spring, it's big because you, 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 you celebrate that, like you finish something that you accomplished, you can show it off, right? So, so that's, a, that, that's a very important part and very healthy for the teams to identify the good things and the bad things. Um, uh, and yeah, we're almost out of time, but one thing I want to mention, and then Jared, if you have one more thing to mention, we can do it, uh, is that uh, I forgot to mention about epics, right? So epics is, just a term you're going to hear a lot. And it just means a, a body of work that is composed by user stories. So Epic usually is related more to a feature. So for example, an Epic, we're going to build the login uh, system for the company. So it's a way to group projects. So let's say we have a lot of user stories everywhere to build just one system, but it's easier to divide it by domains, by groups, by sub teams, right? Maybe we have three teams working on the same 
project, but it's like a big system, right? But we have featured teams. So an Epic helps group these things. So then we can always refer to the Epic at the new user stories there to the backlog, right? So we didn't talk much about the backlog, but backlog is something more related to the product product owner or the person running the team, project management. So as an engineer, I don't care much about the backlog. I care much about when the, back, the, the story is ready to groom, right? But backlog is another term. So yeah, Epic, go ahead and read everything you can about Epic. Uh, I'm going to be posting some links this week about uh, some resources to improve uh, all these things that we talked about oriented to the software engineer. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's it for me really, Jared. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I think just just the last thing is a comment on on that point. So I, for a long time, I didn't know what it meant when when people talked about an epic. So where that kind of is originating from is people talk about like if you think about like a larger novel, I guess like Lord of the Rings or something, people call that an epic, right? And that epic, that bigger book, if you will, is made up of a, of a bunch of stories or user stories. So that's kind of where that term originates from. Oh, that's people understand. I, I didn't know that. Bit. I didn't know that. But yeah, yeah, just like yeah. big work and and yeah. So yeah, let's yeah, do a recap it. of what, what we talked about today and and let's call it a day. So we talked about uh, you know agile, Scrum, user stories, acceptance criteria, testing notes, uh, epics, uh, sprints, estimation, story points, t-shirt size, hour estimation, sprint review or retrospective, uh, sprint demo. Um, what else did we talk about, Jared? I, I think you, you kind of covered it there pretty, pretty well, actually. Yeah, we talked a lot about like user stories. Yeah, the format of the user story, right? Uh, the the template for a user story um, and yeah or everything oriented for you the silver the new silver engineer there's more to it there's so many things entire books uh, other terms I didn't want to touch but like because this is what's gonna help you uh, become better when you're studying the industry getting familiar with these terms so just go ahead and research everything you can about it and keep leveling up so yeah thank you for joining us today in this episode of uh, episode nine by the way episode nine of uh, Dev Bootcamp Life uh, this is Juan Lizarra. And this is Jared Potter. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Take care.